you like to open up, uh, open the Bible with us? Uh, the scriptures comes from Acts 1, verse 12 to 14. Acts 1, verse 12 to 14. It says this. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, then Judas, son of James. They were all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Let's pray. Lord, just thank you for this message um, that you prepared ahead of us. I stand here before your presence, and um, I have this <laughs> reverence. Uh, some I have, somehow I have this fear, but Lord, um, let me speak uh, and let me render this message as if this is my last breath. Let me, let me speak your word as if my last chance at this church, Lord. And open, open every, everyone's hearts this morning so that they can receive the grace and mercy that you, you, you um, hide behind the message uh, this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. <sighs> There's a book by uh, Miyamoto Musashi, uh, he's a, a 17th century uh, Japanese philosopher, also a swordman. And, and he, he wrote a book called A uh, Book of Five Rings. Anyone know that book? No? Okay. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry about that. Uh, he, he, a Book of Five Rings? Five Rings. Yeah, yeah. He talks about the swordmanship um, and, and martial arts in general. Uh, and simply he explains about uh, the way of warriors that we know of now. Uh, one of my favorite lines says this, uh, the sword has to be more than a simple weapon. It has to be an answer to life's question. Uh, generally, we think a uh, sword as just as a weapon to eliminate uh, our enemy in a duel or, uh, or battle. However, in the way of warriors, uh, they look at sword as an answer to their life, like, such as dignity, respect, honor, integrity, or loyalty. Um, if, you, if you just use a sword uh, as a weapon, even if you're good at swinging sword, and even if you're good at eliminating your enemy, uh, you wouldn't be called as a warrior, according to them. Uh, and I see Christianity somehow a similar way. Um, if you look at uh, Ephesians 6, Paul says this, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and requests. See, many times I, I know like people are good at uh, making all kinds of prayers and, and, and making requests to the Lord on all occasions. And, and somehow I see like this is not even for, it's not, even, not just for Christians, but, but this is what everyone's do. You know, whenever they, they face their uh, reality and all, all, all difficulties, they, 
They pray whatever they worship. That's what, what some Muslims do, Buddhists do, even atheists do. But we cannot miss what Paul described uh, the sword of spirit here. He said, sword of spirit is the word of God. Having the sword of the spirit is having the word of God in you. Pray in the spirit, therefore, means that pray as you are filled with the spirit who testifies Jesus, Logos himself, and reminds of you, reminds you of his teaching, which is Rama. So pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests means that pray that God's words and his Logos and Rama to be fulfilled in your life and find your life questions from the word of God as you fight the good fight with the sword of the spirit. So I hope my message would encourage you to pray in the spirit um, so that you may find your life questions and be prayer warriors of God. Amen. Um, when we face this message, uh, Acts 1, going back to that passage, um, we, find, we find a dilemma. Uh, in verse 14 it says, they all join together constantly in prayer. <laughs> I always like stop here because the realistically, like that's something I'm really lacking. <laughs> Like putting myself, uh, uh, devoting myself into prayer constantly, without ceasing. But but I don't want to want to be just shamed about this. But I want us to genuinely reflect ourselves as individuals and also as a church. See what motivated them to pray, and what were they praying for, and what was the outcome of that. The passage starts by saying, then the apostle, in verse 12, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. We have to note that the place where they returned was Jerusalem. Where was it? And what this place meant to the apostles. First, Jerusalem was a place uh, where their leader, Jesus Christ, was persecuted and was crucified. from all the people of Jerusalem, Pharisees, Sadducees, governors, including Pilate, the Roman governor, agreed, consent to kill him. So if you're a rational person or people, like group of people like them, you wouldn't go back to Jerusalem, would you? They can kill you way more easier than they did to, they did to Jesus. But somehow... They were magnetized to return to Jerusalem. Second, Jerusalem was the place where they failed to keep their commitments and also show their unfaithfulness to the Lord. They were so sure about themselves to follow Jesus. In Luke twenty-two thirty-three, 33, Peter attested about his faith and said, but he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. But right after Jesus was arrested, it wasn't even a, a day changed. <laughs> he denied Christ because of a servant girl. All of the apostles disowned Jesus somewhere or another. 
when he became powerless. So they had this trauma in the city, Jerusalem. Somehow this Jerusalem reminded them of their failure and unfaithfulness toward their Lord Jesus Christ. Third, I, I think it's really fascinating how, how they were all joined together in the same room. <laughs> Just think about it. Like They bailed out on each other. They bailed out on their Lord. They bailed out, bailed out on their uh, life commitments. How, how could you be in the same room together? Wouldn't there be like awkwardness or like you can't be real to them? Like, you know, like <laughs> sometimes it's, it's even for me to, to interact with or see person who, who just canceled out the dinner plan on movie night. But, but this is the way more severe. Like they just bailed out to like, want to see you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, but somehow they were still magnetized to return to Jerusalem. Also, they were with women, <laughs> Mary, the mother of Jesus. At this time, it's, you know, it's just a cultural context. Allowing women to be in your group, it's like you're diminishing yourself because women wasn't even count in the time. Their, their voice, their witness or advocate wasn't valid in the public place. So this is like sensational that Luke just recorded them in this group. Also, they were with brothers of Jesus. Uh, John 7, 5, uh, Apostle John records that, but even his, uh, Jesus' own brother, did not believe in him. But somehow they were in the same room. This gathering somehow reminds me of our church. Uh, this is like just like us, you know, like we have our own Jerusalem. You know, whenever we try to live up for Jesus Christ in our life and try to hold on his principle, whether, whether it's institution policies or people whom you're interacting with, they'll oppose you. It's okay until, until you're a businessman, until you're a student, until you're husband and wife, like a uh, friend. Soon as you pull out the gospel cards, like they will... You know, and they will oppose you when you try to uh, live righteously and with justice. Then are we faithful in those areas? I, I, I lived uh, 24 years so far. That's nothing to you. But I have so many failures. I, I, I see so many unfaithfulness in my life that, that I, I really wish I could rewind time and fix it. I really do. Like, <laughs> somehow I'm traumatized in those areas still. I want to ask you, do you have that Jerusalem in you? Do we have Jerusalem in our church? Some of us are, are marginalized, neglected, counted as unimportant by others, society, community. Some of us even, <laughs> just like brothers, <laughs> you heard of him, you know of him, but you can't really trust him as your Lord and Savior. In regard of all these hindrances, what the founders of church did was pray. 
see, if they just wanted to solve the problem that they had, you know, they didn't have to show up at Jerusalem. They didn't have to be gathering with, with, with uh, mistress or uh, people uh, have uh, troubles or margins, minorities. Like, don't even bother to show up with gathering of believers. That's the easiest way to solve your problem. The reason of them to join together constantly in prayer wasn't to just get away from their problems. Rather, I would argue that they joined together to face their reality of trials, failures, distrust, and even risk of being full. Just like Megan said this morning. So we have to ask, so what magnetized them to join together in prayer in the midst of this, all this obstacle? Uh, Acts 1 verse 6 says this, And they gathered around him and Jesus and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Luke used the word restore, apokathistemi, systemi, sorry, which is a political designated word. You know, in, in this word, like they're saying, Lord, we thought we just lost you when you died. We thought we'd, we'd lost our wishes to restore our nation, Israel. But now they're resurrected from death. Is this the time that we were longed for? You, you already know. Jesus is gone again. He ascended. And like, can you just like read like verse 10 and 11? They're just like looking ahead. It's like, wow, gone. Jesus really took the last string of their We have to see this. <laughs> when they were in this hopeless, their choice was not looking for a different But they did pray. Uh, not just pray, but like pray to trust Jesus' promise and in humble petition to enable them to to be obedient to the word. Look, look, Jesus just disappeared from them again, and then they already had uh, proved that they couldn't do anything without him. So how could they ever be a witness of Jesus? Witness of Jesus in our life when we don't even feel his presence. See, when they faced uh, this gap, I'll call it gap, gap between their reality and and the promise of Jesus that they would be empowered by the Holy Spirit, uh, they prayed. See, when when we try to live our life as Christians to hold uh, a scepter of righteousness and justice, uh, we'll constantly face this gap, uh, hindrance or obstacles, until we see that that promise really becomes true in our life. Ah. And, and this is when the prayer comes in. Then, how, we, how do we pray? Jesus taught us to pray in this way. Luke 11. Luke 11. Uh, sorry, I just read it over. Um, it says this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. Uh, When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. 
just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, this, this prayer is not just like liturgical prayer that we, we often uh, say, recite it at church. This is actually uh, instruction from the Lord Jesus Christ to how we should pray. In statement, our Father in heaven, we recognize that our address is still on earth somehow. We, we, we live on earth as a, as a sin-polluted people, and we live among uh, 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 brokenness and, 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 and temptation still. Uh, there are so many idols and gods that, that other people pursue and they make wishes to. Before us, there is one God in heaven. See, his, his address like, seems so far away from our reality and, and sounds like he doesn't get what we're going through on earth. But yet, he associates with us not only as a God, but as a father. That, I, I, I find that's really powerful. Even though we constantly face trials, difficulties, persecution in our reality, reality sorry, <clears throat> we have Father in heaven who does care for us and protects us from all harm. Then we first say, hallowed be your name. Uh, in Greek word, uh, the, the, this hallowed, hagiazo, is written as imperative, which means demanding. So like, if you think, are we demanding God to be hallowed? To the glory of glories? But considering all the following verbs in this prayer are also imperative, we can say that this is a humble petition. Humble petition that, that, that his word would be fulfilled. His promise that his name and his name only will be magnified and hallowed according to the scripture. And that somehow would be tangible in our life. So this is not abstract thing <laughs> as much as you think. In this, prayer, in this line you're saying, Father... In this world, people do not see your glory. In, in this world, people do not pursue your glory. They only pursue their own glory. But we as your children, we are longing for your glory and your name to be hallowed in this broken life. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Not our wishes, not our dream on earth, in our very own life. whether it's home, school, work, public places, private places. You know, when, when, do you know when, when this prayer actually happened as an example for us? Luke 22, uh, verse 42. Right before Jesus was arrested by the soldiers, ah, he, he went up to Mount of Olives, according to Luke, and uh, Garden of Gethsemane, according to Matthew. And, and he prayed this. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. 
See, Jesus as a perfect human, he knew exactly what kind of pain and suffering he had to walk through if he, if he was going to surrender. So he's making like little decision here. Like, if you're willing, if it's okay, let this cup away from me. But yet not my will, but yours be done. Uh, he willingly surrendered <laughs> to the Father's will through prayer. Uh, I said, that's the power of prayer. Let's see, what, uh, going back to Acts, what the apostles and the, all the women and, and, and brothers of Jesus were praying was Jesus' promise would be true in their very own situations. In, in the midst of Jerusalem, in the midst of their hardship, in the midst of their doubts. They didn't know what's going to happen, what was going to happen, and then... <laughs> Nor were they comfort to be in that place, you know, praying with one another, with one another. But they did so uh, in obedience to Jesus' command. Uh, in, verse, in verse four, one occasion, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command: "Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water." But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this wasn't what they wished for. Because you just, we just read uh, verse 6, restoration of Israel nation. Uh, but they chose to surrender their will to the will of their Lord. So what were the, what were the results of them joining together? Constantly in prayer, uh, so we can we can we can see clear pictures uh, from Peter um, in in verse fifteen to sixteen. It says, "In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group of numbering about a hundred and twenty, and said, Brothers and sisters, the Scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide." For those who arrested Jesus. That's... Is this the same Peter we know of? <laughs> I mean, it, Peter we saw in Luke, a whole, whole, whole book of Luke, or any other Gospels. He, he, <laughs> he was a. Uh, he was most jealous man, uh, uh, zealous man, passionate, but, but he never ever quotes scripture before. But here he sees that his interpretation on the whole situation got changed. See, he thought everything was just, a, just an incident by, by the betrayal of Judas. And, and, and Jesus' crucifixion was somehow nothing but a tragic. And we even see, like, a uh, page before in, in John 21, he's comparing with uh, uh, Apostle John himself. That, that's what, that was his limitation in his view, in his life. But when he prayed, his view 
was totally changed, and he sees those events as fulfillment of God's word, and he is surrendered to God's will. See, prayer changes our view and fixates our eyes to see God's sovereign hand is still there, and he is still in control. Whatever tragic happened, whatever incident happened, whether there was betrayal or a crucifixion, a burial, a death, ascension, everything was in God's hand somehow. And that very own knowledge, people, enables us to live as Christ's followers and his witness with boldness when we go back to our life. See, look how Peter is changed from, from the book of Acts. He, he, <laughs> but if, if you look back, he, he just disowned Jesus just because of a servant girl in, in, in Luke 22. But now, from now on, he is preaching the gospel in front of a whole crowd of Jerusalem, in front of the whole uh, religious leader and absolute power, real politic in Jerusalem. We as individuals and as a church, uh, we are constantly going to uh, be in this situation just like they were in. Uh, see, we know in our heads, we know that God's promise and his words is true, but, but, but we will also see this gap uh, and disconnection that, that, that makes us doubt uh, his promise and words. Uh, however, uh, I urge you uh, to pray uh, as you wait for the Lord uh, to reveal his sovereign hand and, and his redemptive work in the midst of your Jerusalem, in the midst of your hardships, and even in your doubts. Paul closes his exhortation in Ephesians 6 with this. Verse 17. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul wrote this letter in, in prison when he was in, in prison. Um, and, and we know that like, his, his, <laughs> his expression, um, ambassador in chains, uh, he was shackled. But look, like, he, he, <laughs> his focus on prayer is not just to get out of his prison. His focus of prayer is not to, to restore his, his apostleship somehow. His focus of prayer is not to, to uh, recover his uh, status as, as Hebrew of Hebrews or Roman citizens. But he, his only goal is to fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. 
just as Paul prayed and asked for prayers to become the warrior of God, uh, who would fearlessly preach the gospel in his journey, uh, whether he was in, in Jerusalem, hardship, and doubts. Uh, I exhort you to find uh, your answer of your life questions in God's will. And through the advent of his kingdom, in the midst of your prayer, and hopefully we may become prayer warriors of God. Amen. Amen. Can we stand up together as we sing the last song? <laughs>